Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training Five secrets to taking a break from drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Hi there. Today we're talking about the difference between self-care and self-love and why you need both. My guest today is Aubrey Nichols. She's a self-love advocate and she speaks openly about her journey with an eating disorder and addiction. She quit drinking 16 years ago And she and I both talked about before this podcast about how neither one identifies as an alcoholic and doesn't feel like that term is necessary. So we're going to touch on that in this podcast, but we're also going to talk about the difference between self-care and self-love and how self-love is the foundation to healing. Aubrey's going to share ideas around how to turn self-loathing into self-love, how to tackle your inner demons and how generational stories can shape our stories about ourselves and how we can change the script. So Aubrey, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so happy to be here. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Aubrey, to get started, tell me a little bit about yourself and the work you do. Of course, my name is Aubrey Nichols. I live in Los Angeles, California. 
I was in New York for almost 20 years, but really my heart is Texan and I grew up in Houston, Texas. I am the oldest of three girls. And the work that I do now is part-time. I'm a consultant. I do brand and consumer research after spending a long time in ad agencies. But the work that really makes me feel alive and really fills me up and the work I believe that I was born and put on this earth to do is spreading the message of self-love. And I am a writer. So in everything I write, from LA Magazine to the New York Times to Vogue, I'm hoping that my words will touch hearts and um, that'll make an impact in this world. That's great. Yeah, (laughs) that is amazing. And I'm sure it is so needed in the world. And just to kick off, can you tell me about the difference between self-care and self-love? Because I know a lot of us, especially when we're realizing that something needs to change in our lives, that we're not really happy. And when we decide that we're ready to take a break from drinking, we talk about self-care. We talk about working on taking better care of your body, finding a way to turn off and relax and cope that doesn't involve alcohol. But I know that self-love is that deeper level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, self-love is not for beginners. And if you want to take the easier, softer road, I mean, self-care is the way to go. It is, it's the manicures, it's the pedicures. The way I, I talk about the difference is, Self-care is like the physical, the spiritual, maybe meditating, the financial, making sure your bank account is in line and your investments are in order, you know, working out nutritionally, intellectually, sexually, right? Making sure you're tending to all of those buckets of you. And really self-love is about one thing and it's about your emotionality. It's about your heart. It's about your soul. It's putting your hand right on your heart and asking yourself, what is best for my emotional well-being? And tending to that softer side of you that you may not often share with the world. And in that part of you, your essence, there's all these little nuances that will only be revealed if you do things like sit in silence and meditate and journal, learn to go slow, learn to do a lot of being versus learn to be versus do. And then when you tend to that emotional self and you ask yourself, what is best for my emotional well-being, all of the spiritual, physical, financial, intellectual, sexual, all of those buckets really fall into line. I say it's the one top one stop shop. Yeah. Um, love. And that sounds like it is a lot of work to do in terms of turning down all those inner critic voices in our head, the sort of hustling for love. You know, it's hard to sit with yourself, right? Yeah, I would say, you know, I don't know if it's a hard to sit with yourself. It's hard to sit with myself. It's a lot easier to run around with my head cut off and check off my boxes on my to-do, to go to the laundry, to, to, you know, to go to Trader Joe's, to make dinner, all of those things. But there's so much 
there's so many goodies and so much deliciousness and expansive opening and freedom in learning to sit with myself and understand like what I really want, that it's worth it. And I'm definitely coming from a place right now of there's some truths that are bubbling up inside of me that I haven't really gotten quiet enough to hear. And the way that I know that is because I have people sort of like wanting me to make commitments, like let's go to dinner, like let's do this workout class, let's do dance class, you know, let's have a meeting for this. And I honestly don't, I'm having a lot of indecision and that's because I haven't really gotten clear with what my priorities are like, you know, in this moment in time, what I need to be doing, what would fill me up at this, at this point. So, and that all is really my, my beloved, my innermost self is begging me to just sit down and listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that you've talked about in the past, how self-love means taking care of your own needs and not sacrificing your well-being to please others. Yeah, actually, a, a, a story that I'm working on, this um, singer-songwriter musician, he put it in a very good way, but it was in terms of burnout. And he said, like, burnout is when you're saying yes to others more than you're saying yes to yourself. And I, I think that we could also apply that to self-love, which is, you know, just really saying yes to yourself and and whatever that is, it's for me, it's putting down my phone and saying yes to an hour of like no phone reading book, you know, just breathing, no TV, just being really quiet before I go to bed so I can sleep. It's saying yes to moving my body, even though I don't feel like it, I never feel like it anymore. This pandemic has made it very weird for me in terms of working out, it's saying yes to sit down in meditation, saying yes to having conversations with women like you. Yeah. And then sometimes it means saying no to whatever gets in the, gets in the way. And I would say that most times what I have to say no to is listening to the voice of the inner critic or my inner mean girl, which is the very well-practiced voice that has kept me company most of my life. It's a very familiar voice that tells me like that voice did when I was three years old, that I'm not good enough, that I could do better, that I'm too fat, that I'm not pretty, that I need to go get more Botox, et cetera. Right. As I'm about to do things like step into my power, like sit down and write, work on like an amazing piece that I'm going to do. And so it's really important for me to just acknowledge the voice of the inner mean girl, but really be accustomed about like when she pops her head up, when she feels like she needs to chime in and just to say, Oh, thank you. I really witnessed that, but no, not now I'm going to change the tune or just talk back to her. Like, Hey girl, Hey, don't have time for that. I really got like some important stuff to do here on this planet. Mm -hmm. When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety, and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. 
I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. Tanasi creates the highest quality, scientifically validated CBD and hemp extract products. Tanasi's formula includes a unique combination of CBD and CBDA in every dose, which is two times more effective than just CBD alone. So if you want to create a sense of calm, to calm your mind, to relax before bed for a great night of sleep, try Tanasi. Tanasi's being really generous with our listeners. You can go to Tanasi.com and use code HELLO to get 25% off at checkout right now. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. Well, and how I know that inner mean girl most of us have, you know, and it sort of stems from often your childhood where you're trying to avoid criticism sort of proactively or hurt or rejection. How do you actually do that in terms of building up your self-confidence, your self-love, your self-acceptance. How do you talk back to your inner mean girl? Yeah. In a way that you actually believe it, in a way that you feel it in your heart. Well, okay. The first step with dealing with this inner critic, from my perspective, is to really become aware. Awareness is like the starting point of all of this work, right? Is to become aware of the thoughts and the thoughts that are going on in your head and to also really surrender to the fact that you are not your thoughts, right? If there's my favorite quote and it's anonymous, it's by someone, I don't know who they are, but they were brilliant. It says, if you want to see what someone's been thinking, take a look at their life. So if you want to see what um, someone's been thinking about, take a look at their life because our thoughts dictate everything. They dictate our emotions, would dictate our behaviors and actions which over a long period of time, then we build our life around, right? So from my experience of this feeling of not enoughness and needing to fill a void, I built a life around like those thoughts. The first step is really separating yourself from the thoughts. And there's two ways that I was able to do that. Number one is journaling, pen to page journaling. So obviously you're seeing all these downloading, no stream of consciousness, no judgment, seeing all these thoughts go onto the page and really witnessing that you are just, these are just thoughts. They're not you. And the second thing is, is to sit in silence or to use like a meditation app, like insight timer or headspace and to watch the thoughts flow. And so those are two ways to separate yourself from the thoughts. And then once you do that, then you can start to see them come up and start to see the ones that aren't serving you. What has worked for me versus focusing on removing the thoughts that are not, that are negative and not beneficial to uplifting my highest, my higher self is to really crowd out those negative thoughts 
with positive thoughts. And so that is the way I do that is with affirmations, with mirror work, with embodied sort of like embodied affirmations have been really, has been really successful for me. And that's like saying things while you're walking or while you're jumping around or dancing, like I'm powerful beyond measure. I'm stronger than I think I'm braver than I think I'm a creative powerhouse. So starting to say those things, um, you will start to internalize those messages. And over time, if you do it with practice, then they'll start to crowd out some of those negative thoughts. I mean, because we do have the power to rewire our brain and create new neural pathways. And I am living proof that that's possible (laughs) because six years ago, I didn't think the way or feel the way I do about myself now. It's all a byproduct of putting these practices, these daily practices into my life. So what happened six years ago? For me, I had spent a lifetime of filling my insides with the outsides, as you mentioned at the beginning, you know, switch tracks from like eating disorders and anorexia and bulimia to unavailable men to drug and alcoholic addiction. And then finally at 35, I walked down the aisle to a man who I thought he could love me for me, that I would be a wife and that I would finally, finally be enough. And I would be happy. And three years into that marriage, I had all the trappings of beautiful, wonderful, abundant life, except I was a shell of myself. So extremely miserable, could not even look at myself in the mirror. I was so shrouded in hate and self-loathing. I finally realized that I had met and married my emotional equal. He also did not value himself. Um, And I started to work out with these girls who were extremely loving, supportive, reflected back to me that I was wonderful and I, that they loved me. And I was like, wow, this love that they're, that they're telling me that they feel feels way different than the love that my husband is telling me that he feels and any other love that I'd ever felt in my life, to be quite honest. And I just knew that I had to leave the marriage, but I knew that once I did, I had to do some major reinvention from the inside out because I had a soul sickness. It was me. It was my feeling of lack and not enoughness that was choosing all of these partners and situations and places. And I had to really start over. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48, so if you're going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. 
Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com with promo code HELLO. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com and use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Like they say, if, if anyone's listening and they go to the 12-step program, it's that concept of the fourth step. Really, it's like sort of scraping out and detoxing all of your insides and just making sure that you fill in with only the good. I love what you were saying about meeting those women, because I do think it's important, you know, somewhat, we talked about how neither one of us sort of, we both tried the 12 step program. And I want to talk to you about your experience and sort of where you are now. I, I did as well. I went for a short period of time, about four months and decided that wasn't my path but I certainly took a lot of great ideas from it. And one of the most important ones that I that I took and I repeat to myself is when you look at the people you surround yourself with, when you look at how you're feeling in relationship to them or people pleasing to them or measuring up, I love the idea of do you want what they have? And that's something that they say in the program, right? If you want what we have. And one of the reasons I love that is because, you know, as someone who always wants other people to like me and approve of me and and those things, it's really important for me to evaluate who are the people I'm giving power to, to judge me. Because if I don't want their life, their energy, their base level of happiness, if they don't lift me up, I, by definition, need to disappoint them in order to take care of myself. One of my clients I work with talks about, you know, go where the love is. And it sounds like these women you met and the way they were able to love you and support you and see the best in you was something that really attracted you to them and gave you strength. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I also, that's very present for me in my life right now because, I mean, I feel like I'm changing and evolving at a pretty rapid pace in terms of because I'm 43 and my eggs are literally getting older by the second and I still want to have a child. And I am holding the vision that I'll find or my person will find, we'll find each other by the end of the year and I'll be pregnant by then. (laughs) And so I'm really having to get very clear, crystal clear on who I am attracting. And because I'm sort of an anxious avoidant attachment, you know, just typically have attracted those men who were actually not really available for a relationship. Like about a month ago, someone came into my field and someone who was like kind of available, right? Because I was kind of available, but even in the last month, I've just become, I guess, very aware that I have to be very available. So that means I have to just disappoint this guy and walk away because there are signs that he is not available. So I have to disappoint him. But in doing so, because we do, you know, these people come to our life and they're in our life for a reason because they reflect the vibe that we're giving off, the vibration that we are putting out there. And 
I am putting out the vibration that I am all love, (laughs) that I want love and abundant love. Well, not that I want it, they already am it and I already have it, you know? And yeah, I think I didn't answer your question, but maybe we can circle back to it. (laughs) So how have you attracted people in the past, like the types of people and how is that changing for you now that you're doing this kind of work? And what do you hope for in the future? I honestly don't think that I have to do anything to attract people. I think that like the universe just puts people in your path. I mean, it's like those people that are vibrating at that same level, your emotional equal, they'll just come to you. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think in the past I've been so desperate to connect and I find, I actually find this to be pretty true for a lot of people who are in recovery it's, we want to connect. We want to have those trauma bonds, those quick, like, let's just talk about all our stuff. Like that hole that I have, you have it too. And let's try to like relentlessly fill each other. Right. That's my experience. That was my experience. in in the 12 step rooms, it's been my experience in life. Whenever I meet someone and there's this fast friend feeling, I know that's a trauma bond and it's not bad or good. It's just, do I want that? Right. No, I want a secure attachment. So I think it's just like noticing the kind of connection that I'm having with people and what it feels like. And then the big twist is, is for example, when I leave, before I leave the house today, I'm going to do my breath work. I'm going to sit in silence and meditation. And then I'm going to go out to the world with that vibe. I'm also going to go out and I'm actually just realizing this right now, I'm going to prime the day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to like, before I leave the house, I'm going to prime the day and say, oh my gosh, I am so happy and grateful. Just going to be doing like rampage of uh, appreciation. I am so happy and grateful that I have the most amazing day that I did start out the day with a, a, a podcast, getting in the ocean. I love my apartment. Yeah, I went to the, I'm so proud of myself. I did laundry yesterday in Trader Joe's. I'm so happy and grateful that I'm getting some New York Times pieces published and just like fill up, just emanate. That's an energy, right? And then go out into the world with that energy and try to attract from that place after I've already connected with myself. So I'm walking into the world, not with a place of, from a place of desperation or lack or scarcity, but I have everything that I need right here now. And I desire, and I'm going to magnetize people who have done the same for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. Like I get high. I'm getting high right now. Just thinking about it. Well, I I I love the concept of like you attract the energy that you put out there and that doing the work on yourself and lifting yourself up, you're going to bring people to you who share that same energy. I believe that really deeply. Yeah. And it's a daily practice. Like they talk about and. Again, 12 steps, it's a daily reprieve. I mean, this is something, me, happiness is a muscle and it's something that I'm having to work very hard right now because all during the pandemic, I mean, at least this elect, the last six months, I was like, F this, I'm tired. I didn't sleep enough. I don't want to get up. I mean, I used to be a 5 a.m. love the morning, hell yeah, type of woman. And now 
it's like, I don't even know who I am. I get out and I'm like, I don't want to do this. So I'm having to really, really, again, those, it's just, they're just thoughts, yeah. right? And so, and to just get a handle on those thoughts. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as you mentioned during this pandemic, I live in Seattle, we have been quarantined for over a year, going on 14 months now. My kids have been home for a year. They just went back to school a couple weeks ago, part-time, you know, socially distant. And it, I mean, I've had to go back to all my tools from early sobriety from five years ago and really double down on them because, you know, one of the things that makes me happy that I know is, yes, connecting with people, having things to do. And I think at the core of that is having things to look forward to to always be looking forward in a positive way with things that I am genuinely excited about and working that into just life, right? Life is life. There's shit going on. But what the pandemic has done is it's taken me, especially like winter in Seattle, which is dark and rainy and it gets dark at 430. Like it has been really hard to cultivate things to look forward to, including like my outdoor workouts with women I love that I used to go to four days a week, like those were canceled. And so, I mean, I think what you're talking about in terms of, you know, realizing that you're in a really tough place and going back to like your foundational aspects of like, okay, what can I do to cultivate happiness? What can I do to pull myself out? That is a daily practice and it's not easy. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you on that. I really honor you for like going back to what works. And I mean, and also I think that there has to be a layer. I'm noticing a layer of like just radical self-love and compassion because I'm going to mess up a lot and I do. And I mean, there's just been so much emotionally that's been happening. I've been in therapy twice a week. So what I'm thinking about is just having sea legs a little bit and sort of like getting back to life and what that looks like. And I have a little of anxiety about getting back to life. Um, and I, I worry like, am I going to get out there and not be cozy and be tired and want to come home? And that's fine. But I think it's important to just get out there, take my life back. Um, yeah. I love that idea of taking your life back. I mean, I think as we all sort of emerge from hibernation and for a lot of women, and I'm sure for a lot of women listening to this podcast, it's been a really difficult time, especially for women who have a problematic relationship with alcohol or have been evaluating whether their drinking is working for them anymore or have been trying to take a break and getting four days and drinking again and dealing with all the hangovers, this is a really difficult time. It's a hard place to be. So I love the idea of self-love and self-care and taking your life back and doing that in a really proactive way, even though it's hard. Yeah. And being super compassionate. And oh, this is what I was going to talk about, which I think is so super simple, but it goes to your point about having things to look forward to. The key to my freedom has always been a schedule. Mm -hmm. And I am a wildflower. Ask anyone I know, like I'll 
float around. Like it's hard to pin me down, but the one way, one thing that really gives me a lot of freedom and makes me feel, but makes me feel super safe is a schedule. And I have someone who helps me, an admin who helps me. She sends me my Sunday, my schedule Sunday night. I look at it and make sure I've gotten like all of the buckets filled, like the physical workout buckets. Like I need to make sure that I've fun and friend time planned in. And then here's the most important part of the schedule. Show up for the schedule, regardless of how I feel. Mm. So show up. You know, and I'm challenging myself to like put some makeup on, show up, see what it feels like to like pencil on my eyebrows, put on some mascara and go out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really important, especially as women. I just, it's so important for us to feel that. And if you're creative and you're listening, which we're all creative, but there's that there's this like the drive, which is based on our second chakra, which is like our hip area, which is the, the hub for our our sexuality, our playfulness, our creativity. It's like with the absence of like beauty and places to go and putting on heels, if you do that kind of thing or lipstick or, and I'm not big on that. It stripped me of my hunger in a way. Like And so by taking my life back, it's about reclaiming my woman, my like woman who likes to get fancy sometimes. And, and it's activating my creative ideas and my, my desire to be seen by men. And so I I think it's, it's all intertwined. So I'm just trying to just keep those channels open, you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And it's a reason to kind of get up and to do things and to feel like there's some differentiation in each day, because right now, so many of the days seem the same. And that's something that I know everybody kind of struggles against. You've talked a couple of times or we've touched on the 12 steps, how that started. And tell me a little bit about, you know, I know you stopped drinking 16 years ago, What helped you make that decision and what's helped you since then stay on the alcohol-free path? That's such a long time ago. I was just listening to you say it. I was like, wow, yeah, I should be proud of myself. And I am. I think I am. I mean, and it no matter any time is and should be celebrated. Any amount of time that you've stopped drinking should be celebrated. I mean, I stopped drinking coffee for one day the other day. And I celebrated myself. I'm never, ever going to do that again. It was a horrible, horrible day. But <laughs> I know I can do it. So I know I, I drink a lot of coffee. And especially when I used to be at the office, people would be like, you should really cut out coffee. And I'd be like, fuck you. Can I have nothing? You know, I quit drinking, you know, yeah. like absolutely not. Experience. Everybody tells me it's a fabulous thing to do, but I am not there yet. Yeah, I'm not either. So cool. Well, yes. We're like, I'll be definitely not there yet. Um, so what happened for me is that I believe I have like a very sensitive, oh, I know I have a very sensitive ner- nervous system. I'm an empath, truly highly sensitive person, canary in the coal mine. I'm not like 
some medium where I can feel other people's things, but I certainly can feel things as they happen and feel other people's energies and grew up in a home where emotional control was valued over emotional expression. So I was picking up on a lot of pain, unexpressed pain. I also am super creative. And so I believe that my, a lot of my disease, which potentially I labeled as alcoholism was actually unchanneled creativity. And, but my root addiction is, was anorexia and bulimia. And so I was never one for extra calories, which was like alcoholism was not really a thing for me. I did a bunch of like drugs because that's what you do when you drink alcohol. At least that's what I did. And my path to quitting drinking was really dictated by my ability to not cut it out with the anorexia and bulimia. I wasn't able to really get on the road to recovery with, for my eating disorder. Cause every time I would have a drink, it would just open up a tiny little, well, maybe window that I would jump through and then just sort of not be able to make headway. So I did drink a lot and I didn't really hit a bottom, but I saw one and that's kind of what happened. I, I, there was someone I met who was in the program, the 12 step program of OA. And she was also an AA. And she said, if you, you can go to open meetings, if you go now, then you'll have six days of sobriety. And I think I went and had a glass of wine that night. And then the next day I went to an open AA meeting. And I can say that I didn't call myself an alcoholic until maybe two months in, probably sooner, and then proceeded to go to AA meetings, not open, but closed because my life got better one day at a time. And for me, that is what, how I define my sobriety. It's like my, my life was better, is better one day at a time without drinking. Right. And I I believe that to be true. And then I did all the things. I went to all the meetings all the time. I had sponsors. I was sponsored. I led meetings. I spoke at meetings. It was my everything. And then I just like hit a wall where it was a negative feedback loop and I couldn't get any upward trajectory. And so then I stopped going to AA around year 10. And oh, you started- went for 10 years. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was really into it. Yeah, because the thing is, is I, as an anorexic and bulimic, I was calling myself an alcoholic, but I really just, I, there was something that didn't sit right with me. All those sayings around, you know, your your head is a bad neighborhood. You shouldn't go in there alone. Or the idea that I have to have a sponsor for every move I make. I mean, that's the antithesis for everything that I believe in or everything that I'm aiming for. My goal is to be able to sit and not only my goal, my experience currently is that I can, my head can be saying everything, blah, 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 blah. You should do this. You should do that. I can get in breath work and in meditation. And within 20 minutes, my gut will tell me what I should be doing without fail. hundred percent. I don't need to call a sponsor. I don't need to go to a meeting. I, I have the power that I need and the, and the knowledge that I need right here inside me. And 
yeah, it it obviously pisses me off. <laughs> it it did. It just was like yeah. I can't believe I I didn't know how to live life, and that's what AA did for me. It shot. It taught me to show up. It keep commitments to not be afraid of speaking up. It taught me how to be in relationship with other people. And I've gone back every year because it's such a big part of my story just to meeting to see like, how does this fit? How does this feel? And it still, it just doesn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. I loved that you both went to the program for a bunch of years and then also, you know, could identify, you know, they talk about take what, what works and leave the rest and, you know, also have been able to maintain sobriety and recovery and living the life you want to live without it. You know, I know that that for me, I tried a it wasn't my path. I work with a lot of women who do love it, and I know it's helped so many women. But one thing I wanted to touch on too is that you said you didn't have a bottom, but you could see one. Can you tell mm-hmm. me more about that? Yeah, I, w- I think I quit at 26, and around enough people in the party life and the scene where, you know, they're just like these women who are 10 years older than me and they're just ragged. And I didn't want to be like that. And I really love the daytime so much. And it's just, I couldn't, for every five steps forward, I would get, I would take, you know, I would drink one night. I would like lose my phone, drop it in the toilet leave it in a cab, lose my credit cards. Some days I would have great nights out drinking, but there was just, but inevitably I would just, would just make me emotionally volatile. And I honestly, this is only in retrospect since I've done this work and what I'm really focusing on right now is just when I try to pick up and play the victim card. It's like potentially getting wasted or having those drinks and like breaking down was my way of playing the victim card. That's how I got love in my family of origin. I was, if I was a damsel in distress, if I was the one falling apart, then my parents would come in and swoop, swoop in and save me. And so I really am aware of when I want to be taken. I, I, I have a need and want that need to be tended to either by myself or want to try to get it met by someone else. And then I start to break apart or fall apart so I can get that need met. And yeah, it's like, I'm screaming in a way it's like, now you can't ignore me or yeah. Or like, for example, you know, working on these difficult and really exciting pieces for New York times, like I really wanted to self-sabotage in the last month, big time, because I don't want to step into my power. This is hard. You know, I was really stressed. And so how do, and I always, and this is, I always remember about like beginning in the program and they were saying like, if you drink or if you throw up or break your recovery over a problem that you're experiencing, you won't just have one problem, you'll have two. And so, you know, often the drinking was a response, a way for me to avoid the real feeling that I was actually dealing with. And I, I do, I, I have that 
that all the time. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I had never heard sort of drinking as allowing someone to play the victim card or, or to, you know, fall apart to the point where you can't be ignored by people anymore. I think that's really interesting and an an interesting way to put it. When you talked about self-sabotage, that resonated with me a lot because I always think of drinking as self-sabotage. Like it's the idea of at least for, for me, for women who have a problematic relationship with drinking, who, you know, are drawn to it and yet wake up feeling like shit where it makes everything harder. I always say like drinking just adds a problem to a problem. It's like when you have a headache and instead of taking aspirin or going to bed or drinking water or whatever it is to solve the headache, you decide to like go to your garage and slam your hand in a car door. So you'll forget about your headache. Exactly. That's a really painful way to think about it, but actually, actually very true. So it's really great that you were able to step away from it. And I always think of like, when you walk away from drinking, and this is something that I feel like I heard in what you were talking about with your eating disorder and, and being a way to step away from the self-sabotage, like in my mind, not drinking is not the end goal. Like the end goal is not to like go through life without alcohol, although that is my intention. And I believe that it is very important that I don't go back to drinking because I know where that will take me and it's nowhere good. But in my mind, like not drinking is the foundation that lets me live the life I want and to not self-sabotage and to do all the other things that I want to do with my life. Like when I drink, it just brings me down and keeps me stuck and takes up way too much of my life and my struggle, just getting away from that or managing that or moderating that. Do you see it as the foundation too? Because I know you, it's all these other things that you wanted to work on and wanted to do. Yeah, I think that I just want to keep my channel clear, right? And I don't, I just don't like alcohol. I don't even like being altered. So yeah, I think that's one of, I want to have a big, full, abundant life that's like full of love and laughter and creativity and ideas and success and hugs and kisses. And this point, I'm like, all of that good stuff. So, hmm, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of why I left AA because they have that line in the book that's like, we are not a glum lot, but I actually experienced it very much as like a glum lot. It's like, I, I if I have to, I don't want to go out to a diner. No, again, I don't. But I mean, if that's what's, but it worked for me for a while. And then I just needed some new thoughts. I needed some new tools. And Yeah. And I just really think where I have gotten a ton of relief, freedom, just mind blowing growth is the idea that I am masked. My life is my own. I can create my own destiny. I can create how I feel. I can create, you know, the relationships that I have, the outcomes. And I've I wrote myself into existence from that like bony little woman with diamonds hanging off me that married this man for happiness. 
I was not, I'm not the same woman that I was. And I did that through journaling in the present tense. I am, I'm nourishing my body. I'm successful. I'm getting consulting jobs. You know, I'm making three figures or six figures. You know, I just, I wrote myself into existence. And it's the reason I'm saying it with such fervor right now is because I'm trying to remind myself that Aubrey, yes, indeed, just because shit isn't as tough as it used to be, that I still, if I want new things in my life, just create it. Yeah. Hold the vision for it. But it, t- it takes some works. It takes some visualization. It takes that like management of energy. And it's coming from a place today of like, I woke up at 4 a.m. Like it was freaking 7 a.m. Like ready to go. And I'm a yeah. little tired. So it's harder to like, it's harder to put the like self love or it's, it's just harder when you're tired. Everything's harder when you're tired. Yeah. And I love but, that energy that you have around. You're the creator of your life. You're powerful. And are. it's so important to like identify what it is you want in life and put that out into the universe. Tell that to yourself in the present tense. Like you can have that. Yeah. Or what's even really fun. If you want to get around with like some of your girlfriends is to, to actually do future gratitude. Like, so your future casting gratitude. So you're like pretending Casey, we're pretending like it's like this time next year. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh girl, I can't even believe that you were even worried about having a baby and you lean over and pat my stomach and I'm pregnant with twins, you know? <laughs> and you're like, and we are like, Oh yeah, we were all worried about this pandemic. And you know, now we're out and about, we're so busy but it's in, you know, we have an, a new lease on life. Things are so amazing. We're jet setting across the world. Everyone's listening to the podcast. It has five-star ratings with like 5 million downloads on iTunes. It's crazy. You have like all the clients you could ever want. You're bringing in coaches from everywhere. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, you can, I mean, it's fun, right? God, well, we did that in coaching school and like, where are you going to be a year from now? And where are you going to be five years from now? And like, what is your ideal life? And like everything I've written out has pretty much come true. Yes. Like I'm going to have a fully booked practice. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to be working from home. I'm going to leave my corporate job. Like I'm going to do things I love that have meaning and conversations with really amazing women. The one thing that has not happened is I want to be able to travel four times a year now that I'm not locked into a, not locked into a corporate vacation schedule and have that freedom and work from anywhere. And clearly with the pandemic, that has not happened. But one of the things yeah. that cracked me up, you know, like I the joke is right at like the beginning of 2020, we all like. I'm big into vision boarding, like your affirmations that you've talked about and like what you want in life you can bring in. And like, so I did all these vision board workshops with like women I love. Like we have a recovery group in Seattle. That's awesome. And they all came over to my house and we all did vision boards. And like everybody was sending me the memes in March, like just thought it was, they're like, I thought of you when it was like, hey, 2020, none of this shit was on my vision board. But the feelings are the same, like what you want to bring into your life, even with the circumstances, you can build that for the future, even when it's hard. Like I've got my list of everywhere I'm going to travel and everything I'm going to do when the world opens up. 
as well as like, you can keep building your business. You can keep developing your relationships. You can do all those things. But I love everything you're talking about in terms of creating and visioning and, and that work. Like celebrating, like I can even, you know, I thought I was going to get a modern love and I, and I still will get a modern love piece published, but I remember like the vision I had is like my sister was like reading the newspaper, the New York times, she doesn't even read the New York times, but like on the toilet or something. And she's like, Oh my God, Aubrey's in print. And, um, but yeah, just, you have to like, just have fun with it. If you're listening, just have fun with it. But it's really about it's embodying the emotion that the woman you want to become would feel. So it's acting as if it is done. And so it is, it is done. Mm-hmm. Like it's really stepping into that emotion. Yeah. And I did that even when I was quitting drinking. Like I was just like, okay, a hundred days from now, I am going to be healthy and happy. And here's the month it's going to be. And this is the woman I'm going to be. My anxiety will be down. I will have lost weight. I will be running. I actually envisioned and I signed up for a 10K when I was six days sober. And I had tried not drinking before and, but I was like, I am picturing who I'm going to be, what I want to do, how I'm going to feel. And I remember I quit drinking on February 18th and the 10K was April 24th and it was my son's birthday. The only reason I remember it and I hadn't run a 10K in six years. And I did it and I did it by myself. I had no friends and I was like almost in tears when I was running. And it was mostly like I was saying to myself, I'm now a person who does what I say I'm going to do because I'd spent so many years saying I was going to stop drinking and on day four drinking again. Yeah. It's super important. It's super important to have integrity in your word and, and just to believe in yourself. Yeah. And to, to look at who you want to be and having, you know, believing that one of my favorite quotes is something like the difference between people who do or don't do what they want is like believing that the future can be different than the present or better than the present and that you have the power to make it so. Yeah, I love that. Well, so you've mentioned a couple of times mirror work. And breath work. And I love it because I did a podcast on breath work with someone who does that. And she did a full breath work meditation or exercise. So I'll link to that in the comments. But tell me about both of those, like what those are and how they work for you and help you with the whole self love process that you go through. Yeah, I would say like breath work is a way. For me, it's this tantric breath work, what some people think it's like wild sex. And really all it means is that it's rooted in the sacral chakra. And it's about bringing the breath like from your, like that sacral chakra all the way up your spine, but it's about activating the body. So think about yourself. Like, I don't know if any of you guys have ever like worked out and you feel like super emotional when you work starting to work out, it's really just getting your body like turned on and tuned in. And because the information for me is in my body, right? About how I feel. And then it's just a series of like sort of aggressive 
three sets of 33. And then at the end of the 33, you do a sound release, which is really always amazing. And that's just to activate the body. And then afterwards, it's like sitting in meditation, sitting quiet. And then the mirror work has been really awesome for, especially because I've been one to pick myself apart in the mirror as a way of dealing with other difficult emotions I might be avoiding, like loneliness or isolation. And so the way that it has worked for me in the past is you take down a journal. Well, there's a couple of different ways. Number one, you can just look at yourself for like two minutes in the mirror, look deep into your eyes, say, I love you, and just start to see yourself truly. You want to like with your right eye, you want to look into, you want to sit down in the mirror, sit, stay in the mirror, and then look into your other right eye and into your pupil. Or the other thing that you can do is to rewild the rewire the neural pathways that so another thing that you can do with the mirror work is to take out a journal, write down affirmations that have nothing to do with how you look at all. So you can say, I am resourceful. I am creative. I am a great writer. I am so energetic, etc. So then you sit down and you look into the mirror, look into your eyes and you re- recite those affirmations. So what you're doing is you're training your brain rewiring the neural pathways to look, to associate looking in the mirror and associate your reflection with who you are as a being, not what you look like. So that's been really powerful for me. Both of those practices have been amazing. I love that. And I love sort of what you're describing is in my mind also something I've done, which is like take your most repeated negative thoughts, find the opposite positive affirmation and sort of bring that front and center, whether it's mirror work or whether it's affirmations, or for me, it's quotations on vision boards to replace those thoughts because you can really do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you're a self-love advocate. So for any woman listening to this, what is something you want them to take away and remember? about this practice? Number one, I would say it's not an overnight uh, fix. It's a lifelong journey. So with that, you're exactly where you should be if you're listening. But the most important thing to know is that it starts with self-acceptance then maybe self-like then evolves to self-love. And again, there's so many nuances and beautiful things to discover about yourself that you can, you'll take your whole life to figure it out. So you'll never be finished. Hopefully you'll have enjoyed the process, which is where I am. I'm enjoying the process. And if you have any questions and if you've been listening, feel free to DM me or reach out. Yeah. Instagram is, is where the easiest place to find you. Is that right? I know I love your Instagram. I checked it out. And it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, my Instagram is Aubrey, A-U-B-R-E-E dot Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S. And from there, you can find my website. You can DM me. But yeah, I would love, love to connect. And also love to hear what resonated with you in this podcast. 
That would be awesome. Yeah, I would love to hear it as well. And so tell me what's next for you. What are you working on? I know you've mentioned a couple times that you're working on really wonderful writing pieces, but what what else? I'm working on a memoir titled Enough, How I Stopped Searching, Starving, and Striving and Became the Woman of My Dreams. So just finishing that up, getting it to editors, Continuing to share your story and share your message. The love of my life, getting a book deal, having a physically, emotionally, and spiritually connected relationship, and being fully expressed in my life. That's wonderful. Yeah. So that's what I'm up to. Well, it has been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and to share your message. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.